0: Subscribe now and download wherever you get your podcasts. As always, thanks for listening. ES Audio
1: From the Evening Standard in London, I'm Rachel Abbott and this is The Leader. Today, we're giving you some bonus content taken from our business show, How To Be A CEO. It's an opportunity to hear from the most powerful people behind some of the world's biggest brands. This is actually a cut down version of the full episode. To hear the full thing, you'll need to hit the link in the show notes find a new episode of how to be a ceo every monday morning and why not give it a rate review and follow whilst you're there now let's begin
0: to some the barber shop's the one place where you can sit down relax and just talk every barber is a counsellor every barber is a counsellor
1: what well, I will say though is not every barber a good one.
0: <laughs> Slider Cut, sometimes known as Mark McIver, is a pretty good counsellor and a very good barber. He's cut for people like Anthony Joshua, LeBron James, Reggie Yates just left when we arrived at his shop in Hackney. He's a man who understands hair and also how to run a business. Like I haven't got these big goals
1: and plans for life, but my drive can't help me going that way. So whatever
0: I do, I just have to push to the limit. He's taken his brand from a room in his mum's house where he cut his cousin's hair to global recognition, overcoming one or two obstacles on the way, sometimes just with determination. The rat was massive. <laughs> it was the day of the launch, and we,
1: just the day before we had painted the floor and we saw the rat prints on the floor because it was wet paint. <laughs>
0: I'm David Marlison from The Evening Standard and we're meeting Mark at his now iconic barbershop on Hackney Road. And I want to know what it took for a young man with no cash or connections to even get a start.
1: I had basically maxed out my credit when I opened up the shop because, let's say, a few months beforehand, like um, getting the lease for the shop or establishing you know, what the lease is going to cost and so on, I just bought my family home. My whole thing at the time was, I'm going into business, I said... I know it's going to work, but at the same time, I still got to be sensible mm-hmm. because I've got a child, I'm married, we're going to have more children. So I was like, I want to make sure that no matter what happens in the business, my home life is set. Yeah. So we have a space that we're comfortable in, in the location we want to be in. It's got enough rooms and all those things there. After I did that and making sure I did that first, it was like, okay, cool. I can go all out on business because that's already sorted out. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. no matter what happens, <laughs> even if this fails, we got my home, <laughs> you know? So because of that, I was already like stretched. So the mainstream banks wouldn't give me any money at that time then. So I had to like be very resourceful and I had to borrow money off people. I had to get back-end loans. And What I mean by back-end loans, I'm talking about going online and being like, you know, cheap, like loans. Just like, just, you know, just looking at all the companies, loans. Is like, okay, you're willing to borrow me 10,000 pounds. Okay, but I have to pay you back, what, 20,000 pounds? I'm like, okay, but you know, what else can I do? Because no one else is giving me money and I believe in this business. I believe, you know, because what happened as well was this business that I opened up, it took me two years to find a location. So I spent two years finding the right location because I knew that the location was going to be so important. I always knew that anywhere I went, I could be booked up as a barber, but I wasn't trying to find a space for me as a barber. I was setting up a business to facilitate other people. So even when people were saying to me, What does it matter? Like people will follow you. I'm like, you're thinking small. What about everybody else? You know, it was important to find a good location, a location that, you know, that you could grow into. In here, we've got like 10 chairs in here right now. We've got another one being built. In the next couple of weeks, It's going to be 11th chair. We've got a space at the back, which holds for another five or six chairs, you know, we've got, you know, basement downstairs for stuff. And it's kind of like, we've got a big space that we can grow into. So yeah, it costs money to fit Mm out. When I came to this place, this was rat infested. And when I rat rat infested, I don't say that as kind of like just a statement, a throwaway statement. I mean, no, literally I came in here and and I saw a rat run past, like jump out of that ward there (laughs) and run past and I'm like...
0: How big was this rat? The
1: rat was massive. (laughs) There were holes everywhere. The roof in the back had no, half the roof was off. So it was just been raining inside. The place was molded. It was like, this place was a wreck. The area's downstairs. The rat's going to come through there. They started coming through the drains so we had sealed up this area in the toilet and i remember it being like it was the day of the launch and we just the day before we had painted the floor and it chewed through the wall and we saw the rat prints on the floor because it was wet paint <laughs> and that was like the day of launching the shop and i remember being in the morning being like oh my goodness i think to the bills like where are they coming from? I thought we got rid of them. I thought we dealt with everything. <laughs> and they're like, oh, then we found out they're coming through the drain. So then I have to pay an extra thousand pounds or whatever it was to go into the drain things. And then they had to put some valves things on it. And then it was just kind of like, it just, it costs a lot of money to open yeah. up this shop, right? And so finding money was hard. Cause it's like, I had no money to do it. And things just kept on coming up that I had to keep adding to it. It's just kind of like finding money. So I said, I went to pay their loans. I went to people who I know. I offered people high interest. So I'd be like to friends, I'd be like, if you can borrow me money, like whatever you give me, I'll get it back to you like in a month, two months, you know, I'll give you 10%, you know, back. So I remember borrowing like 10,000 pounds of a friend, like four or five weeks, and paid him back 11,000 pounds. Loads of people offered me money to invest, like loads. Everybody wanted to invest because I was at, in a place at the time where the brand of cuts was a, quite a big name in barbering, even though I was working in a barber shop. And people, everyone saw the vision. The same way I saw the vision. Yeah. So everybody wanted to invest. So everyone's kind of like, we'll give you money. We'll give you 50,000 pounds. We'll give you a hundred thousand pounds. We'll give you like, they I all want to invest. Tempted. It was <laughs> very tempting. There was a stage when I felt like taking it, but my issue was that I knew that the only thing you were bringing to this business was money. And once I got this business open, the value of the business went up. So I knew as soon as I opened up these doors, the shares that you want to buy for the price you want to buy them at, go up a lot higher. So I was like, I can't take money from people to invest and they're not even adding anything to the growth of the business. So I would rather take high interest loans. Just in interest alone, I think I paid back about 70,000 to 100,000 pounds. But the way I saw that was I am paying to have full
0: ownership of my business. Let's take a break. And while the ads are on, why not give How To Be A CEO a follow, rate and review? Bet you can do it faster than it takes to listen to the commercials. So you ready? Go. What would be the proudest thing for you? My proudest
1: thing from the business I set up is the employees. And the reason why it's my proudest thing is because I've been put in a position, fortunately, you know, that I've been able to give other people a job that pays them well. And not only just like, just a job because you know, giving a job first of all is a big thing, especially when you know there's job cuts and stuff like that. To be able to give someone a job just by itself, I think, is a massive thing, and I don't think people understand how big um, of a thing that actually is. There's loads of people who want jobs who cannot get jobs, you know. So, you change someone's life when you give someone a job, full stop, but then give someone a job that also pays well. And then I've seen people talk about they're getting married, that's from the job, and then also it's people from all the surrounding communities as well, because often well paying jobs go to a sector of people and I'm not talking even about even demographic I'm just talking about sector of people you know you have to do this you have to do that you have to come from this background all these kind of different things right I love the fact that we could be able to hire people from this area yeah. and people who may have thought they would might never be able to earn that type of money and I put them in in that position.
0: So who are you taking inspiration from? Because I'm thinking, you know, Slider Cards. like way back in the beginning of this, you were talking about the Slider Cards brand, and clearly you, from a very young age, you were seeing this as a brand. Yeah. You've got a big social yeah. media presence. I mean, were you taking ideas from people, or were you just going, I think this will work? And I'm just gonna come, well, let's see what happens. I think it's a bit of both.
1: You know, I think with everyone, you know, there's sometimes it's just luck and chance, fortune, but it's also just being proactive, I, so I took inspiration from different people in a sense of like there wasn't like a particular person that inspired me for everything but there's different people that inspired me for different elements of business so I might be speaking to like a client I have and he runs a record company and he's just talking to me and he might not even realize that I'm taking inspiration from what he's done he's just talking but I'm listening thinking wow that makes so much sense but what else can you get while you get haircuts what what else are they doing when they go elsewhere? places that's why I'm making my own products right now you know this year they'll be coming out because i'm making them from scratch i'm not white labeling them or nothing like that i've got my brushes i've got the combs i've got different products i've got shampoos i've got pomades you know but the whole thing is kind of like you come here to get a haircut and then go to another shop to buy a comb why don't you
0: buy that comb from here? Why don't you buy a slider cards comb? Yeah. That's the power of the brand though as well, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. Because you know, you could get any old comb, but you no, know, I've got the cut, I've got the comb used yeah. by slider cards. Yeah. yeah, that I can see that.
1: Yeah. And we sell sponges, like we got these sponges, you know, on Afro Hair, it twists it twists your hair. You know, they're the biggest selling thing in here. Because everyone comes in here, they we twist your hair for you, but they want to twist their hair themselves when they're
0: at home. I wonder, does it go the other way around? Because if you think about your traditional barber shop, I mean like those guys were the first counsellors. People yeah, would come yeah. and sit down in the seat. I mean, do you, did you, do you get that experience as well? Are you helping to inspire people too?
1: Definitely. You know, every barber is a counsellor. <laughs> every barber is a counsellor. What well, I will say though is not every barber is a good one. <laughs> but nevertheless, you are a counsellor once you are cutting hair and they're in the chair. Because for some reason, um, customers, once they jump into that chair, they just start opening up to you. I've spoken to different customers. I've studied it to try and figure out what it is as to why. And I think it's something to do with the chair being comfortable. It's the vibrations of the trimmers maybe making them feel relaxed. And I think, oh, you standing over a customer as well, it almost feels like it's just you and them. Uh, You know, so I think what you realize in this position is, especially when you've been doing it for a long time, you've seen some of these people grow up where you've given them their first haircut. And also here's the other thing as well, what people don't realize. A barber is at... Every big moment in someone's life, um, when you graduate, your birthday, you know, um, your wedding, um, starting college, starting university, and I feel like that makes customers feel this thing of this connection, which is another business in which I, which a lot of people don't realize that one of the biggest things in retaining clients is the connection you have with that client. Yeah. That connection you have with a client is what forces it, almost feels like it forces the client to come
0: back to you. That was Mark McKay. For more news, interviews and analysis, you can't do better than going to standard.co.uk forward slash business or pick up the newspaper. How to Be a CEO is released first thing every Monday morning. Let's meet again next.